Welcome back to The Forge, where we are continuing our study through the book of James. We are going to be in James chapter 3 for this podcast, and we are going to start off the way that I always like to start off, um, and that is with a review, a review over the takeaways that we hope that you've been getting thus far. Remember in James chapter 1, we talked about the test of faith, the test of faith. We also talked about in chapter 1, there's the test of obedience, the test of true religion. And then we moved on to the test of brotherly love. And then the previous podcast prior to this, the last podcast, we talked about the test of good works. So obviously there's a theme here that we're keeping in the book of James, and that is a series of tests or a method of testing or evaluating your own heart, your own mind. So we're going to continue with that same theme here in James chapter 3. And I'm going to say this, it's going to sound probably a little strange, uh, but stay with me. The test of the tongue. The test of the tongue. Well, what do I mean by that? We're talking about the reality of a Christian's faith being tested by having control of the words they use and the words they say. So rather than going into that big long explanation and just trying to keep with the theme here, the test of fill in the blank, in this case it would be The test of the tongue that would go into the blank. So, chapter 3, we're going to start in verse 1, going to read the entire chapter, and then we'll go back and make some comments. Chapter 3, verse 1. My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment, for we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships, although they are large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder, wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member, and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird or reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no one can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men, who have been made in the similitude of God. Out of the mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter water from the same opening? 
Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives, or a grapevine bear figs? Thus no spring yields both salt, water, and fresh. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have a bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. By those who make peace. This is the word of the Lord. So as we first begin to look at this, there's a word of caution right here in the very first verse where he says, My brethren, let not many of you become teachers knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. You know, I've always thought of this as a judgment coming from God and certainly I do believe that there is a judgment coming from, from God on teachers. But I also believe that this judgment here can also come from those who hear the teacher and they evaluate what is being taught. I would encourage you, as you're listening to me, to not take my word for it and dig into the scriptures for yourself. Dig into the scriptures for yourself. You know, words can get us into so much trouble. They can serve both good purposes and evil purposes. So a question that we need to consider as we're going through this is, who controls my words? Ask that question of yourself. Who controls my words? Does God control my words or do I control my words in my flesh? Do my words reflect who I am in Christ? Or does my sinful nature have such a deep root in me that it comes out in the words that I say? I am reminded that Jesus told us, that from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. What does he mean by that? He means that we will know what's in your heart because it will come out in the words that you say. So is there a godly wisdom guiding your words? Or is there a desire for worldly wisdom or attention from the world? You know, in these first five verses where there's that warning to teachers, why do you think that warning is there? It's there because teachers are responsible to the student. 
and they are responsible to God for what they teach. Those of us who open up the Bible and declare to you what God has said, we had better be correct. We had better be sure that what we are saying is what God said. So if we say, so saith God, or thus saith the Lord, we had better be correct. We will be held accountable for what we teach. I am attempting here to teach God's wisdom, not my wisdom. And truth be told, there are men who I listen to, preachers and teachers that I listen to, and maybe in future episodes, uh, I'm, I'm sure that in future episodes, I'm going to name names. I'm going to tell you the men that I listen to. And if I compare myself to them, I think I just, uh, I don't compare. I think there's no comparison. But you know what? It's not about that. It is about the wisdom of God. It's not about the wisdom of men, even though these are great men. Uh, they love the Lord and they have uh, effective and powerful ministries and they proclaim God's truth. Uh, they are not doing it for their own uh, glory and their own accolades that people like me would, would uh, you know, say great things about them. No, they are pursuing God's wisdom. And we should all remember as students of the Bible, it is always for the glory of God and not our own glory. We have a great illustration here where James makes the comparison of a bridle or the bit in a horse's mouth, the rudder on a boat, or even fire. And what do all these things have in common? Well, they must all be used correctly, and if they're not used correctly, bad things could happen. Think of the horse being guided by that bit in its mouth. The one doing the guidance could actually take the horse in the wrong direction, or possibly even have the horse uh, you know, buck up and People get hurt and bad things could happen if it's not used correctly. Same with the rudder on a ship. The one steering that ship could make the right decision or the wrong decision. They could go off course. They could crash into another ship. Disaster could happen. Or they could use it correctly and stay on course. And the same with fire. A fire in a fireplace, we would all agree, is a nice... Uh, uh, comforting thing, uh, the warmth coming out of the fireplace, or maybe you've got a fire going in the grill and you're going to uh, cook some food on the grill. Uh, uh, open flame is a great thing when used correctly, but when it's not being used correctly, it becomes something that is out of control and it takes no time at all for disaster to happen. He even makes the comparison here to look how this forest can be set on fire with just a little flame. Well, obviously, James is not saying that our tongue is uh, a flame uh, coming out of our mouth. No, he's creating a, a word picture here. He's using an illustration. 
And of course, what's he talking about? He's talking about gossip. He's talking about slander. Um, And gossip can be like a devastating forest fire. How many times have you been hurt by something that someone said about you? Um, And it was not even true, perhaps. Or perhaps it was true. It really doesn't matter. Uh, The point is, is that they didn't need to be talking about it. How many times have you been the one spreading something uh, that you knew deep down inside your heart that it was only going to cause hurt? There was not going to be anything good that came of it, but it was a juicy piece of dirt on someone and you just couldn't keep your mouth closed. And like I said, it doesn't really matter if it's true or not. You don't need, you know, frankly, if I could be so uh, blunt about it, you don't need to run your mouth about people. (laughs) I don't need to run my mouth about people. Why? You can ruin a reputation. You can hurt someone to the point where there is almost no recovery. And, you know, I remember... The, the little chant we used to say as children, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Well, the idea behind that was that those words cannot hurt you unless you put value in those words. In other words, if you care about what uh, that person is saying about you. But the truth is, We all care. No one wants to be the subject of a nasty rumor or gossip. And so words, I would submit for your consideration, words can hurt. Words do hurt. And so let's watch what we say. What is coming out of our mouth? Is it a blessing or is it a cursing? Is it bitter water? Because he also makes the comparison here to a spring. Can bitter water and fresh water come out of the same opening? And here's a question for us Christians. Do we praise God and then turn right around and curse men? There's an exhortation here in verse 13 to control our tongue. And I think of the example, I'm sure um, this may be new to some uh, of you in the audience, but if you've ever done any kind of carpentry work or, or been around those who work in construction or anything like that, um, there's a saying measure twice, but cut once. Well, what are they saying? What's the idea behind that? The idea is that you want to make sure before you make the cut. Because once you make that cut, it's going to be permanent. And I liken this to my prior life when I was in the military. I was a flight engineer. And one of the things that he taught us when we were going through training, there were all kinds of charts that we had to learn to read, performance data, things that had to do with engine performance and 
uh, airspeed and how the airplane was going to react under certain conditions. And all of these things had been charted out and we had to trace through these charts um, manually. And the idea behind this was that we would be as precise as possible. Why? Because if we were not, if we didn't calculate something just right, if the airspeed wasn't correct, if our rate of climb wasn't as it should be, or the engine performance was not as it should be, people could die. It's the same idea as measuring twice, but only cutting once. Because there comes a time on that airplane where you are past the point of return. In other words, there is, you're at the point of no return. You can't stop. You can't turn around. Something disastrous is going to happen. So we want to make sure because once we make that cut, there's no going back. Well, we need to make sure before we open our mouth and say something that we are speaking the truth. And not just the truth. There's a whole list of things that we should be seeking after and that we should be speaking. He says here in, in verse 17, But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Don't you just love the way that James, here in this third chapter, takes these concepts from previous, uh, the previous two chapters, really, and he combines them all together here in chapter 3. There's this idea that James is stressing to us um, that we need to seek after the wisdom of God. Remember, he says in the very first chapter, if you lack wisdom... Seek, ask God for the wisdom. Seek after godly wisdom. And he makes the comparison here. There's a godly wisdom and there's a earthly wisdom. And what does he say about that earthly wisdom? He says that it is sensual. He says that it is um, self-seeking. That it is evil. And it's flat out demonic. He talks about the envy and the self-seeking that exists in the heart of some people who are going after these things. Confusion and every kind of evil is there. That's not the wisdom that we're seeking after. We are seeking after a godly wisdom so that again, when we open our mouth to speak, it is edifying it is righteous. And he even says, now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So again, I'm going to ask this question. I think I've asked it in every podcast um, concerning the book of James. What is your motivation? Where did you get the wisdom that you're about to give out through the words that you use? See, if we seek after God's wisdom, to bring it back to the analogy, we are measuring twice. If we seek after God's wisdom, uh, we are making sure before we hit that point of no return. See, if you go after what the world offers, 
it will not be based upon a biblical worldview and it will ultimately fail. So what kind of wisdom do you want? As we wrap up chapter 3, I just want to remind you of some of the things that we touched on here. You know, we talked about the test of the tongue. The test of the tongue. We talked about how teachers are responsible before God. Um, and we are responsible to the student as well. Um, we are going to be held accountable by both students and by God for what we proclaim. We talked about the the comparison here that James makes between a, a raging fire and the gossip, really, that a person could say. And so, kind of leaves off here with an exhortation that we are to control our tongue. You know, and he makes that comparison between things that are very earthy and very worldly, sinful, and the things that are righteous. Making that comparison between envy and self-seeking and uh, confusion and all those kinds of evil. He, remember, he even says that going after these things, it's sensual and it's demonic even. And then in comparison, the wisdom from God is all those things that are first pure and then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, talks about mercy. So you have this dramatic contrast between the things of earth and the things of God, the things of heaven. So what's the bottom line out of all of this? Well, the bottom line is, as Christians, we are to control our words. As Christians, really and truly, it is the Holy Spirit living in us and through us, speaking through us. We are not to be blessing God out of one side of our mouth, so to speak, and then cursing our fellow man. We cannot be a fountain that has bitter water on one side and fresh water on the other. No, it's the same fountain. Christian, we must be on guard. Indeed, the testing of the tongue really comes back to the reality of our faith in Christ Jesus. So let's be careful with what we say. Let's strive that we would always use our words as a way of praising God, that fresh water would come from us, that these fruits of righteousness would come from us. Mercy, willing to yield, the gentleness, the purity, and the peace. You know, Christianity is the true religion of peace. Why would I say such a thing? I say such a thing because Christianity offers the only way that sinful man can be reconciled to God the Father. The only way. Jesus is the only way. There is no way to peace without him. With that being said, as always, it is my hope and prayer that this podcast is a blessing to you. 
I pray that the words of James will challenge you and that you would grow in Christ. Until the next podcast, may God bless you and keep you. Make his face to shine upon you, be gracious unto you, and give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.